Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. <laughs> it's October 25th, 2015, and that means there's only two months left till Christmas and less than a week till Halloween. So today's show is a little bit spooky. Not really, but we are going to talk about Christmas's most famous ghost story, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. I'm going to talk about my top five favorite candies, and we're going to do a contest where you could win some treats, and that is no trick. I'm sorry. I'll show myself out. Greetings, Chris Maniacs. We're back, and we're flying our Christmas freak flag high and proud. It's October, and like I said, that means Halloween is just around the corner. So today's show has got a kind of a Halloween theme. Ghost stories, treats, begging for things, and giving away things. Let's not waste any more time and get on with our first segment, We Need a Little Christmas, now. edition of We Need a Little Christmas Now is totally self-serving, but it also relates to the contest I mentioned last time. You see, this podcast now has an official online store, and it's open for your Christmas needs 365 days of the year, or 366 days if it's a leap year. You can find it at Zazzle.com slash Can't Wait for Christmas. There you can find the usual podcast swag like shirts, hats, mugs, phone cases, stuff like that, but it's also a great source for Christmas stuff you might need. See, virtually all the products are customizable, so if you're going to send out Christmas Christmas cards to your family and friends this year, you can upload your family photo into one of our greeting card or photo card templates. Now you've got a great Christmas look in only a few seconds. Plus, you can make matching style address labels, envelopes, and even postage stamps. So you will be looking super slick to your friends and family. And that's just the beginning. You can also make your own ornaments. We've got so many styles of those. Again, you can put your own picture on there. You can put your own text on there. You can also make a snow globe, a mug that says cup of cheer. You can put your kid's photo on it. Personalized wrapping paper, stockings, Christmas tree skirts. So many choices. And I'll be adding new stuff constantly. And like I said, we're doing a contest. So five people total are going to win. We're going to have four runners up who will win a reusable shopping bag that says, I'd rather be Christmas shopping. Along with a can't wait for Christmas, Christmas card and one grand prize winner will win the bag the card plus a santa claus nice list button a can't wait for christmas bumper sticker and a car flag that says official christmas freak flag so you can literally let your christmas freak flag fly all you have to do to win is go to itunes and give us a review that's it Right after Halloween, Christmas is coming up fast. And when people start looking for Christmas podcasts to listen to, I'd like them to see a lot of reviews for this one. So go to iTunes, leave a review, and then email in to our new email address, christmas at tancast.com. Tan like the color, cast like you broke your arm. That's our podcast network. Anyway, christmas at tancast.com and tell us which review is yours. And that's it. You'll be entered to win. But wait, I already left an iTunes review. Can I still enter the contest? Of course, imaginary listener that sounds like Kermit the Frog. Just email in and tell me which review is yours, and you'll be entered to win. So post your reviews soon, because this contest closes on November 20th, 2015. Although you are certainly welcome to leave reviews after November 20th. I don't want to think if you miss a deadline, you can't leave a review. Please leave any and all reviews at iTunes 
I would appreciate it. So that's it. Happy reviewing at iTunes, everybody, and happy shopping at Zazzle.com slash can't wait for Christmas. Now, it's time for a delicious edition of Five Golden Things. There's the thunder, in case you forgot it was supposed to be spooky-themed. Okay, so Halloween is looming large right now, and the stores are filled with candy. But when those aisles all get cleared out in a week or so, what are you going to do for your candy fix? Fear not! I'll be counting down the top five Christmas candies today. So prepare your sweet tooth, because here we go. Number five. Red and green M&Ms. I'm not, I'm not talking about peppermint flavor either, just the regular M&M flavors. I'm talking about peanut, peanut butter, or plain or milk chocolate as they're called now. Are M&Ms good any day of the year? Sure. Do I buy them? Hardly ever. But for some reason, when they put them in a Christmas package and only include the red and the green ones, I must have them! Score one for the folks in the marketing department. Number four. Tootsie Pop Peppermint. This is an odd one for my list because I don't like Tootsie Rolls and I don't particularly like peppermint. So when you mix the two together, there's really nothing for me. But my mom loves these things. She Loves them. She gets plenty during the season, but then she circles back on December 26th and buys the place out when they're on discount. Stocking up for the cold months with no Christmas Tootsie Pops. So I literally put this on the list as a shout out to my ma. Love you, ma. Number three. Frosty Nerds. They say you are what you eat, and I love nerds. So you do the math. Or you can pay me to do the math since I'm the nerd. This one is similar to the M&M's because all I really did was change the color. But the green, watermelon, red cherry, and white punch flavored nerds taste great together or apart. If you're not into peppermint, it's nice to have an alternative candy choice and still feel festive. Number two. Candy canes. I know I just said I don't like peppermint, but I could not leave out the most iconic of all Christmas candies. Plus, they're fun to decorate a tree with, fun to toss out during a Christmas parade, and they inspired Conan to make that Minty the Candy Cane who briefly fell on the ground song. Plus, plus, they come in fruit flavors now, so there's even a Tim-friendly option. Okay, before we get to number one, let's hit our honorable mention. Honorable mentions. Really gotta fix that jingle. Anyway, honorable mention is Hershey's Kisses with the red and green wrapping. I had I could only justify putting this on as an honorable mention because it couldn't get a real number. Because unlike Nerds or M&Ms, they're not even changing the color of the candy, just the wrapping. But that commercial they do every year where the kisses are all in a, like a, in a triangle and they come up and they're, they're playing... Reminds me to get a bag of those every year, so had to make sure they got a shout-out on this list somewhere. Now it's time for number one. Number one. Reese's Christmas Trees. I can only imagine what went on in Reese's headquarters when they dreamed these up. Hey, boss, I had an idea how to change the peanut butter cups up for the holidays. But, Johnson, our peanut butter cups are already delicious. I know, but what if we made them bigger and thicker and filled them with more peanut butter and then shaped them like Christmas trees? Johnson, I'm promoting you to be our new vice president in charge of awesome ideas. I love these so much. I actually wish I had one right now. I'm going to see if some overzealous store has already started putting them out after I'm done recording this. Me want peanut butter. (laughs) So uh, that's my top five. Did I miss any of your favorite candies? Let me know. Drop by the website at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com and let me know what your favorite Christmas candies are. But now, beware, kiddies. It's time for a ghost story. Well, actually, it's more of the story of a ghost story, but it's still spooky. Boo! Ah, you're scared. Yep, it's time to tell the tale of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Now, this story has been Disney-fied, Muppified, Bill Murray-fied, and even turned into a Matthew McConaughey rom-com. 
It's a story that's synonymous with Christmas at this point, but you may not know that this story also helped define how we celebrate Christmas. Now, as the bell tolls one, let's hitch a ride with the ghost of Christmas past and see how it all began. Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. Old Marley was dead as a doornail. In our modern world, it's easy to imagine that Christmas has always been the way it is now, since the beginning of Christianity. But if I may borrow an overused Matrix meme, what if I told you Christmas wasn't always about peace on earth and goodwill towards men? I nailed that Lawrence Fishburne. Nailed it. No, no, no. Oh, well, I liked it better when you just said ho, ho, ho. Anyway, Christmas celebrations in the 15th century were like someone stuffed St. Patrick's Day, Halloween, and Mardi Gras in a blender. People celebrated by gorging themselves, getting sloppy drunk, and uh, uh, partaking in decidedly questionable bedroom activities. I think that's vague enough to put in a family podcast, right? Yeah, that's fine. Anyway, people think that folks have forgotten the reason for the season these days. We got nothing on the olden days. It got so bad that religious groups put a clamp down on the whole holiday. In fact, in parts of America, celebrating Christmas was outlawed outright. It became a solemn day of prayer and reflection. It's too much to say that it was forgotten, but it certainly wasn't the major holiday that it is now. But what the world needed was an expression of Christmas to rally behind. And when you need someone to do that, who are you going to call? Ghosts, Buster! Why do spirits walk the earth, and why do they come to me? It is required of every man, the ghost returned, that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men, and travel far and wide, and if that spirit goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to wander through the world. Oh, woe is me, and witness what it cannot share but might have shared on earth and turned to happiness. Enter Charles Dickens. Dickens was already an acclaimed author in the 1840s. He'd found great success with Oliver Twist and Nicholas Nickleby, but in 1843 he was having marital troubles, financial woes, and creative problems as well. It was after a speech he gave on October 5th in Manchester, England to raise money for an adult school for the working poor that he was inspired to create a tale to inspire the best in humanity. After the speech, he walked the streets of Manchester and came up with the skeleton of the story that would become A Christmas Carol. Now, once he returned home, he became obsessed with the story. He would work tirelessly, blowing off his friends and family all to work on his Christmas tale, which I'm not sure how that improved his marital problems, but the book I read didn't really go into that, so I'll assume he took time out to be cool to his wife. The novel was published on December 19th, and it was an instant success. Now, pause for a minute and think about that. In 1840s England, Charles Dickens had an idea for a story on October 5th, fleshed it out, wrote it, edited it, and had 6,000 copies of the book made by December 19th. By December 23rd, all 6,000 copies had been sold, baby. Merry Christmas. If I could work my will, said Scrooge indignantly, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips should be boiled in his own pudding and Buried with a stake of Ollie through his heart. He should. It's impossible to overstate what a huge success this was. Just for the sake of completion, I'm going to summarize the story, but we all know the story. It's just a matter of who you're picturing as Scrooge. It could be George C. Scott, it could be Jim Carrey, or Mr. Magoo. Ebenezer Scrooge is a miser who holds no love for his fellow man and cares only for his financial security. His worldview is challenged when his dead ex-business partner pays him a visit on Christmas Eve. Well, I should hope he's his ex-partner if he's dead. Otherwise, we've got a quite a weekend at Bernie's story going on. Sorry, 
Back to the story. Scrooge is visited by three spirits, the ghost of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. In the past, he sees the poor choices he's made that have led him to be the miserable man he is. In the present, he sees how his treatment and underpayment of his office worker, Bob Cratchit, affects his poor family, in particular, his ailing son, Tiny Tim. Side note. As a former diminutive child whose name is Tim, I really wish Dickens had picked any other name. I can't tell you how many times I got called Tiny Tim at school. Everyone thought they were original, too. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. My name is Tim. You're the first one to ever put that together. You're regular Slua C.K. over there, Captain Comedy. What? Oh, right. Story. Christmas Carol. I'm on it. Anyway, finally, the ghost of Christmas future shows Scrooge a world where he is doomed to die alone and unmourned. The culmination of these experiences changes Scrooge, and he becomes a better man and embraces the spirit of Christmas as a time of giving, charity, and love. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. That's not the best telling of the story you'll ever hear, mostly because it didn't involve any Muppets, but you get the idea. What I like about it is it's a message about how we should all treat each other better, but it's wrapped in a ghost story set at Christmas. This reminds me of how, like, Star Trek would make a point. Once they did that episode about aliens that were black on one side and white on the other, and fighting with other aliens who were black on the other side and white on the other side, while really sneakily telling a 1960s audience a message about racial harmony. The same thing is happening in A Christmas Carol. Jacob Marley is sending a warning, not just to Scrooge, but to all of us. When he says, Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. That's Dickens talking to us. And his message really found its audience and changed the way we celebrate Christmas in the process. There are many things from which I might have derived good, by which I have not profited, I dare say, returned the nephew. Christmas among the rest, but I am sure I have always thought of Christmas time, when it has come round, apart from the veneration due its sacred name and origin, if anything belonging to it can be apart from that, as a good time, a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time, the only time I know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem by one consent to open their shut-up hearts freely and to think of people below them as if they were fellow-passengers to the grave, and not another race of creatures bound on their journeys. And therefore, uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good, and will do me good, and I say, God bless it. Christmas Carol was the first high-profile portrait of a humanitarianism Christmas. I mean, think about it. For a story about Christmas, there's not much mention of Jesus. What Dickens does is spin the celebration of Christmas to be about being helpful to those less fortunate and appreciating humanity in general and family in particular. Well, while there isn't specifically any Jesus in this message, I would assume he would approve of it. Disclaimer, I do not claim to speak for Jesus at any point. I've just read his book, and love and charity seem to be pretty high on his list of faves. So, in one deft move, Dickens turned the holiday away from the debaucherous celebration it had once been to a call to be kinder to our fellow man. At the same time, he turned it from the overly serious and strict religious observance to a more secular and accessible celebration that is still focused on the Christian ideal of charity and love. I have endeavored in this ghostly little book to raise the ghost of an idea, which shall not put my readers out of humor with themselves, with each other, with the season, or with me. May it haunt their houses pleasantly, 
and no one wished to lay it. A century and a half later, Dickens' story still influences the way we celebrate Christmas all over the world. Dickens would go on to write more classic pieces of literature after A Christmas Carol, like David Copperfield, Great Expectations, and A Tale of Two Cities, but A Christmas Carol remains arguably his most best-known work. For the remainder of his life, when making public appearances, which he did quite often, he would almost always do a dramatic readings of A Christmas Carol. No matter what time of year, it was that popular. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. Oh, wait, sorry. That last part is straight from the last paragraph of the book. That is a bummer. That seemed like a great way to wrap this up. Now I gotta think of a better way to wrap up and close this out? How am I supposed to do better than Dickens? Um, hey, Charles Dickens! You're doing it. There we go. Nailed it! And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us everyone. Alright, well, this episode has been a little light on music for my taste, so I think it's time we get to our segment where we take two different versions of the same Christmas carol and decide who sang it best. Last week, it was Michael Buble versus Perry Como. They were battling it out over the song, It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. I saw the lead change a couple times over the last few weeks, but as the polls closed, it was Perry Como who came out on top. But don't feel too bad for Michael Buble. I was inspired to buy his Christmas CD because of this battle, so that's $10.99 right in his pocket. Or maybe not. I really know how music royalties work, but either way, shed no tears for Buble. But this time, in honor of Halloween, the song being battled over is about a strange creature brought to life in unnatural means, going on a rampage through the city, leaving children on the verge of tears! Yes, it's Frosty the Snowman! Okay, he's not scary at all, but I'm scared for you because I don't know how you're going to choose a favorite between these two awesome singers. Here they come now. Let's meet the contestants. Singer number one is the first person to sing, Frosty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Gene Audrey. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul With a corncob pipe and a button nose And his eyes made out of coal Frosty the snowman made the children laugh and play. Were they surprised when before their eyes he came to life that day? Singer number two made this song his own in the classic animated special by Rankin Bass. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Jimmy Durante. There must have been some magic in that old silk hat they found. Oh, when they placed it on his head, he began to dance around. Frosty the snowman was alive as he could be. And the children say he could laugh and play just the same as you and me. So, who's it going to be? Wait, don't just shout out your answer out loud wherever you are when you're listening to this. Go to can'twaitforchristmaspod.com and vote in our WSIB poll. It closes on November 20th, and I'll be announcing the winner on our November show. So you can vote once a day until then to decide WSIB, which, if you didn't know, stands for Who Sang It Best. Well, we've reached the end of another episode, but before we go, I want to thank LibriVox Audio for the clips of their audiobook recording of A Christmas Carol. You can find a link to the whole thing in the show notes. Also, if you'd like to read more about Charles Dickens and A Christmas Carol, you can get the book that I read to do a lot of the research on this, which was The Man Who Invented Christmas, How Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol Rescued His Career and Revived Our Holiday Spirits. And that book is by Les Standyford? Is that his name? 
Well, he's probably not listening, so he can't say nothing. Don't forget to leave those iTunes reviews, and you could win the official Can't Wait for Christmas podcast store prize pack. And don't forget to visit the website, can'twaitforchristmaspod.com, and vote in the poll. Leave a comment with any feedback you might have. We're officially heading into the Christmas season, so I want to make sure this show is meeting all of your Christmas needs. We also have a Twitter now, so if you're on the tweets, follow us at at ChristmasPod. That's right. We are the Christmas Pod because no one else thought to take that name. Okay, I'm going to put my finger aside my nose and shoot up the chimney, but remember to keep your Christmas freak flag flying high and keep laughing all the way. And that was Christmas 1983. Actually, Dad, it's 2015. Oh. Ho, ho, ho. Thanks for listening to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe on iTunes and give us a review while you're there. A five-star one sure would put you on the nice list this year. <laughs> if you have any comments on this or any episode, you can go to can'twaitforchristmaspod.com and leave them there. Or if you'd like to email Tim directly, his email address is tim at tancast.com. The Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is part of the Tancast Podcast Network. We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Band, and Jingle Bells was performed by Kristen Nowicki. All additional music and other sounds are properties of their copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. All right, I can't think of anything else to add. How about you boys? God bless us, everyone. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I wanted to mention somewhere in the show how it's also Back to the Future, the ride day. Because, you know, December 21st, 2015 was Back to the Future 2 day because that was the day Marty, Jennifer, and Doc ended up in the future. But on October 25th, 2015, in the old Universal Studios attraction, Back to the Future, the ride, that was the day that Biff, when he stole the DeLorean, ended up in 2015. So it was an extra day to celebrate Back to the Future, but I I couldn't figure out how to work it into a Halloween-themed show. So now I'm talking to myself about it, and throwing it in the outtakes. Along with a can't wait for Christmas Christmas card. Christmas Christmas card. I can't, that's, that's how I have to say it. Makes no sense. And you'll also get a can't wait for Christmas Christmas card. No, oh, I hit the mic! Now, this is an odd one for my list because I don't like Tootsie Rolls particularly, and I don't particularly like peppermint. Nah, I don't need to use particularly twice in one sentence. That's too much particularly. That is particularly too much particularly. That's a hard word. Plus, plus, they come in fruity flavored. Fruity flavored? Fruity flavored. Tim, you edited this twice. How did you not notice fruity flavored is not a thing to say? Had to, had to make sure they got a shout-out on this list somewhere. Had to make sure they got a shout-out on this list somewhere. So, had to make sure they got a shout-out on this list. Of, oh, criminy. Had to make sure they got a shout-out on this. All right, now I'm laughing through it. So, had to make sure they got a shout-out on this. Oh, my gosh. Shout-out. Shout-out. I'm going to shout-out, hey, Tim, you need to learn to talk. Now, this story has been Disney-fied, Muppet-fied, Bill Murray-ified, and even turned into a Matthew McConaughey... Now, this story has been Disney-fied, Muppified, Bill Murray-ified, and even turned into a Matthew McConaughey... McConaughey? Oh, we gotta do something about the McConaughey. People are losing McConaughey jobs. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense.
and when you need someone to do that, who are you going to call? Ghosts, Buster! I am, I am sorry. This month is filled with bad jokes. But on the other hand, it's so bad it's scary? No? Moving on. What Dickens does is spin the celebration of Christmas to be about being helpful to those less fortunate and expre- Come on! It's a long sentence. Who wrote this, George Lucas? At the same time, he turned it from an overly serious and strict religious observance to a more secular and accessible celebration that is still focused on the Christian ideal of charity and love. That is another hard sentence. I don't know why I type these like I think no one's ever going to have to read them out loud. Like I'm just doing a book report. Singer number two made the song his own in the animated Rankin Bass special. We also have a Twitter now, so if you're on the tweets, follow us at at ChristmasPod. At at ChristmasPod. At at. Not an at at, like from Star Wars. Follow us at at ChristmasPod. Does that. We. I. Why does Twitter make it hard to talk? You know what? I'm just going to put my finger aside my nose and shoot up the chimney. But remember to keep your Christmas feet. And then Tim fell apart at the end and was never able to finish the show. It was a tragedy. This week on Behind the Christmas. I can do it. It's one last sentence. Rocky, 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 Rocky.